0: Welcome to the Inner Fire Podcast. We are glad you're with us today on Easter Sunday and just hope you're having a blessed Easter day. We want to talk to you about the resurrection today, but not about the resurrection of Christ. We want to talk about your own resurrection, namely the question of, have you been resurrected? And if you're hearing that question, you may say, well, I'm not even, I haven't even died. How can I be resurrected? And what I want to say is that to live the normal Christian life, uh, the way God intends it to be lived, we first must die to ourselves, and we must be resurrected by the glory of God, by the power of God, if we are going to fulfill what he has for us as Christians. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today. Have you been resurrected? want we'll to start in Romans chapter six in verse four. Just read this passage to you. It says, "'Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, "'that like as Christ was raised up from the dead "'by the glory of the Father, "'even so we also should walk in newness of life. "'For if we have been planted together "'in the likeness of his death, "'we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection.'" knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him." Now in this passage, these verses really have two parts, and I wanna break them down into each of those parts, because the first part talks about dying, and the second part talks about living. So I want to look at each one of those. And the first there in verse 4, it says, We are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, with baptism, you know, it's a it's something that the Christian church does, but I'm afraid in the modern church, oftentimes it's just washed over as a as something that we do. We don't fully understand the symbolism of it. When we are baptized, what we are essentially saying is that I am dying to myself. I am no longer going to serve self, but rather I am going to serve God. When we are put under the water, that is like being buried. And we don't bury people that are alive. We bury people that are dead. And so symbolically, we are setting aside all rights to ourself because when we die, I mean, that's what we're, we're doing, we're dying to self. And so in verse four, where it says that we are buried with him by baptism into death, just as Christ died and was put into a tomb, we are dying to self. That's what verse four is talking about in that first, uh, the first part of verse four. Now look at verse five. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of, be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So when it says planted together in the likeness of his death, the word planted there is literally that, it's planted. It's just like you're a farmer sows seed. So when we are being planted together with Christ, it's like us being sown at the same time into the dirt, uh, which is, you know, when you think about burying somebody, you think about them being placed into the ground. That's the symbolism that's being talked about there on us being, uh, again, dying to self and being uh, planted with Christ. Now, verse 6 says there, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So, what does it mean to serve sin? You know, I don't think any of us wake up every day and say, oh, I'm just going to go out and serve sin today. We don't even, may not have a concept of what that is. But if you think about what the Bible says, how do we commit sin? It says we commit sin when we are drawn away of our own lust and when we're, in, we're enticed. Enticed by what? The desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the desire to serve ourselves. And so when we have those desires and we go out and act on them, that is when we sin and so you can look at sin as a self-service when we serve ourselves, we are uh, sinning now i'm not saying that every time we serve ourselves we're sinning but i'm saying that sin is wrapped up in self-service living for christ is wrapped up in serving god and serving others and so it's the dying to that desire to serve ourself is what we're talking about here when we're talking about being crucified. Now let's look at the flip side of that. Again, in verse four, the second part says that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we celebrate on Easter Christ being raised from the dead. And just as he was raised from the dead, we should be raised from the dead to walk in newness of life. What is that newness of life? It's no longer serving ourselves. It is serving Christ. It's serving God. It's serving others to accomplish that. That is what newness of life looks like. Our newness of life is not a cleaned up version of our old self. It's not us putting away a few things and you know picking up some religious things and adding those to our life. It, it's us dying and being completely born again anew, right? We are a new person. The things that we used to desire, the, uh, all the things that we wanted to do to serve ourselves, no longer come into play. It should be us living our life for God. The question is, Can we uh, believe in our own resurrection? It says in verse five, the second part of that, that we were raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, we can believe in the resurrection of Christ. On Easter, that's what we're celebrating. And there's really nothing more central to the whole idea of Christianity than Christ being raised from the dead. It proved he was who he said he was, but can we believe that same power that raised Christ from the dead will also raise us from the dead? That's what Paul is telling us is that we are raised in the likeness of his resurrection. We are planted in in death with him. And as as we begin to grow, uh, as, as a seed that has been planted grows and emerges, it begins to bring forth fruit. And the more we grow, the more Christ-like we become, the more fruit we produce. The first part is dying. The second part is being raised in the likeness of his resurrection. In verse six, uh, the second part of that is really verses seven and eight. It says, we should no longer serve sin because the part of us that serves sin has been freed by us dying. Let me go back and read verse seven and eight to you. so we capture all of that. It says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So when we die, we are being freed from sin because it's the old man that wants to sin. It's the old man that wants to serve himself. and, And that is the part of us that is dying. And if we die with Christ, then we must believe that we are also risen with him and that we live with him. Now, you may at this point begin to protest and say, well, I I hear what you're saying, but I don't really see that as reality in my life because even though I profess Christ, even though I've been baptized and I'm a Christian, I still find myself wanting to sin." I find myself wanting to do things that I know are contrary to God's word. I find myself acting on those things. And so I don't really know that what you're saying is a reality in my life. Well, you need to come down to verse 11. In verse 11, it talks about reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin. And if you look at that word reckon, that is an accounting term that means to take account of, or to take an inventory of. And so what that verse is really telling us is, look at your life and take an account of it. Look at what the scripture says and take an account of that relative to where you are in the scriptures. Do you consider yourself to be dead? Are you reckoning yourself to be dead? If you're not, then you're not going to see the fruit produced in your life. And what Paul is telling us here is, That is a critical step for us. We have to reckon ourselves to be dead. Now, how do we do that? We do that through faith. We must believe that Christ has indeed raised us from the dead. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit more in a minute about how us living by faith really brings into reality this idea of us being dead to sin. So hang on on that just a little bit, we'll get into it. But I want to just go to a story in John chapter 11 that's very familiar with us to help illustrate some of the things I'm talking about. And that is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Now, <clears throat> to give a little bit of context to this story, if you look at John chapter 10, which is a chapter before the, the account of Lazarus, we find Jesus in Jerusalem. And he's teaching there and he is making himself in the eyes of the Jews equal with God. And because he is saying, I'm one with the father, the Jews take up stones to stone him. They want to put him to death because he's is blaspheming by making himself uh, equal with God. And essentially they run him out of Jerusalem under threat of death in chapter 10. And then in chapter 11, we, uh, Jesus gets word that his friend is sick. Lazarus is sick and he, the family is calling for him to come and to heal Lazarus. And so uh, the disciples begin to say, "You know, hey, you can't do that because Bethany, where the family is, is very close to Jerusalem. If you go there and, and heal someone, they're gonna come out, they're gonna find you, they're gonna put you to death. But Jesus decides to go anyway against their advice, but he takes his time in doing it. And by the time he arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days already. So let's pick up the story there when Martha hears that Jesus is coming in verse 21 of John chapter 11. Martha comes out and she meets Jesus and she says, "'Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. "'But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, "'God will give you.' "'Jesus said to her, "'Your brother will rise again.'" Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, let me pause right there for just a second and talk about something that Martha says. She proclaims to Jesus, I know that he, Lazarus, will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, a lot of us are just like Martha. We have no trouble in believing that one day in the future, we are going to be resurrected. You know, we read in the Bible about the end times when Jesus returns, the last trump is going to sound, those that are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air. Uh, those that have died, the graves will burst open and will be resurrected to meet Jesus in the air. We read that and we believe it. We have no trouble believing that. I believe what we have trouble believing is that God can do the same thing in us now. We don't have to wait to some time in the future. God is the God of now and can resurrect us now. So let's look at the next verse. Jesus said to her, uh, in verse 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So he asked Martha a question, do you believe this? Now, here he says, I am, in present tense, the resurrection of the life. Basically, he was saying to Martha, Martha, I'm the resurrection now. I am the life now. You know, you might be believing something for Lazarus down the road, but what I'm here to tell you is that I have the power today to resurrect Lazarus from the dead. And essentially, what I want us to get out of it is that Christ has that same power in our life. He can resurrect us today. As we read in Romans chapter six, we don't have to wait until uh, Jesus returns to be resurrected. We will be resurrected now because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But the question that uh, is being asked of us is the same question that Jesus asked of Martha. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you have the power today to live above sin, to set aside your own desires, the own desires of the flesh, and to serve God in newness of life? That is the question that we have to ask ourselves. Now, why would we, why would we be able to believe in a future resurrection, but not be able to believe in a present day resurrection? Meaning that in this life, while I'm still alive, I can live out the life Christ has got for me and and, and live above sin. Well, I think it's because in the future, we're not having to be confronted with all the evidence that is to the contrary of what we say we believe. We're not facing the evidence of there not being a future resurrection. It's easy for us to believe it uh, in that manner, but us being resurrected in the present present tense, there's a lot of evidence that we confront on a day-to-day basis that goes against that. Namely, we are uh, confronted with our own humanness, right? Our desire to sin, our desire to do things that are against God. And when we see that these things are not happening in our life, we question, am I really resurrected? Is, Is what God's saying to me really true? How do we go about confronting physical evidence with a spiritual truth? There's only one way and that is through faith, right? It's how people throughout the Bible have done it and it's how we're gonna have to do it today if we're gonna see the truth of what what Paul was writing in Romans six come to fruition in our own life. It's going to be by faith. How did the heroes of the Bible deal with the same situation? Because what we're really talking about is confronting physical evidence in the here and now with the promises and the truth, the truths that are spiritual of what God has said. If we take Hebrews chapter 11, just read through there at all the heroes of the faith, how did they do it? Well, they acted as if what God said was true, even though they didn't have evidence to show it right at that point in time. And at the beginning of chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see that faith is indeed uh, that evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we, if we want this to be true in our own lives, if we want to live the resurrected life, then what we're gonna have to do is start acting as if what God has said is true, acting as if Romans chapter six is true in our life, and quit looking at the evidence around us. When we begin to act in the manner that that's true, then what happens is our faith becomes substance. The things that we want to do, we will begin to do because we're living in faith. That's how the heroes of the faith in the Bible did it. It's the same thing that we have to do. We are going to just simply have to believe. The same question that Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? We need to ask ourselves, do we believe this? And then begin to act in faith. If we come on down in the story, we find that Martha calls to her sister, Mary. She says, hey, Jesus is here. They all go out to the tomb where Lazarus Lazarus is buried. And we pick up the story in there in verse 39, where Jesus tells them, take away the stone. And Martha uh The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did not I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So there's that element of faith and believing again if we want to see the glory of God manifested in our life. Now, what did he tell her? He said, take away the stone from the tomb. The stone was an impediment to Lazarus coming out of the grave. It was an impediment to Lazarus hearing the voice of God. And what I wanna tell you today that if we want to live a resurrected life, we're gonna have to take some stones out of our life. I believe that there's some major impediments. And I I, I say this because in my own life, I, I see these things. I don't know what that impediment would be in your life. And I will tell you, when you look at your life and evaluate what might be the thing that's hindering me from hearing God's voice, you may not like what you see because you're gonna have to die to self. It might be something that you like, something that you enjoy doing. It might be a relationship. It might be a hobby. I don't know what it is, but there could be, if you're not living the resurrected life, then there's something that's hindering that. And what I'm asking you to do today is, to try to identify what that thing is in your life. And then I'm gonna ask you to, to in faith, move that thing. Because when Jesus said, take away the stone, the family did it, but it took some faith. You heard Martha telling Jesus, he's been dead four days. You know, he's stinking by now. And so it took some faith on their part to roll that stone out of the way but they did it and I encourage you to do the same thing. Now, what happens when they get the stone moved out of the way in verse 43? When he had said these things, he being Jesus, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So when Jesus called us out of death, when the old man had been crucified and Jesus spoke to us, then we still come out with our grave clothes on. What are our grave clothes? Those are things that we brought from our old life into our new life, right? There are some things that need to be set aside from our old life when we come into the new life if we're going to fulfill what God has got for us to do. And that's what that unbinding is. The other part of that was, he said his face was wrapped in a cloth. You couldn't, Even though he was alive, it appeared as if he were, was dead. And I think sometimes we hide behind our, a facade of our own person. We need to strip that away and let the, the newness of life shine through to other people We need to live an authentic Christian life where the glory of God that called us forth can be seen on our face. We don't need to hide that or cover that up. What happened when Lazarus came forth? Well, this event, more than anything else, set off the opposition to really crucify Jesus. Because if you come down to verse 48, it says, This is the Jewish powers, the religious powers of the day saying, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So what happens when people see a resurrected life? People knew that Lazarus was dead. And when they saw him now alive, walking around, sitting down to a meal and eating with him, going about his normal day, Obviously, this garnered a tremendous amount of attention and caused many people to believe on Christ. When people look at our lives and they see that we are living in the likeness of Christ's resurrection, in newness of life, they're going to make note of that, especially the people that knew us before. They're going to say, hey, this person used to be this way, but now there's something totally different. They're a new person. They're living their life in a different way. They're producing spiritual fruit. That is what draws people unto Christ. You know, we are constantly talking about living out our faith because when we are walking in the power and glory of God and newness of life, that will be recognized by people and they will be drawn to that. They will be drawn to faith in Christ and that is our goal. I just want you to think about it again. Have you died? Have you died to self? Have you laid down your own desires? You know, Romans 12 and one tells us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's what we should be doing as Christians. When we present a sacrifice or when, in, in the Bible, when someone presented a sacrifice, they presented it holy and they presented it as an offering and a gift and they removed their claim from it. And that's what God's asking us to do. Present ourselves as a sacrifice to him. Remove our claim to our own life and allow the power of God, the glory of God to be manifested in our life so that we can walk in newness of life. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to be released from all the desires of the flesh But it does mean that the power of God will work in us so that we can overcome those things and we can stop living for ourselves and instead start living to the glory of God. I hope you will take this challenge today. You'll study on it. Ask us questions if you've got them. But allow the power of God to resurrect you to new life today, just as he did to Christ on that Easter long ago. God bless y'all.